so we're gonna start in the first verse of Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So right there, Paul is saying, by the mercies of God. Don't just read the Bible and go, oh, by the mercies of God, present yourself. What mercies is he talking about? He's just saying by the mercies of God for just, just to sound right? No, no, no. There's a reason he's saying the mercies of God. And if you have read Romans, you would know that from chapter one to 11, there's all these mercies that Paul had already addressed. And he's highlighting it right here in chapter 12. And what I wanna do is remind you the same way Paul was reminding them about the mercies of God. That you and I are justified from the guilt and penalty of sin. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we have been justified. That Jesus, fully God, fully man, comes from heaven to earth. He wraps human nature on his divine nature. That for 33 years, he lives a sinless life. He has his ministry. He is persecuted. He is tortured. He is crucified for you and for me. For the wages of sin is death. And he made a way by absorbing the wrath of God in our place. That he's buried in a rich man's tomb fulfilling prophecy. Three days later, he's alive ascended at the right hand of the Father. That's what Paul's saying here. By the mercies of God, we have been justified because of Jesus. That is mercy. That we're adopted into the family. That we can identify with Jesus. That we are no longer under the law. Jesus fulfilled it. We're now under grace that we're given the Holy Spirit to live within us for those of us who said yes to the gospel. That we're promised to receive help in all of our hardship and our afflictions. And then get this, this is the mercies that Paul is talking about. That you and I have confidence that there's no separation from the love of God. Man, oh man, nothing can separate. Paul's saying, hey, by the mercies of God, these are the mercies he's referencing. That God is continuing to be faithful. That's mercy. And because of God's mercy, we are to present our entire beings as a living sacrifice. It is so sad that so many Christians today, they forget the living part. It's like they're not alive. You know, you get saved and then you miss out. Why? This side of eternity, we're called to be a living sacrifice. Living is the opposite of not living. You are alive, and while you're living, you are to present yourself as a sacrifice because of the mercies of God. This is incredible. Look at what David Guzik had to say about this area right here. It says, the holiness we bring to the altar is a decision for holiness and yielding to the work of holiness in our life. As we present our bodies a living sacrifice, God makes our life holy by burning away impurities. 
That's called sanctification. And I don't know about you, but sanctification can hurt sometimes. But it is absolutely beautiful because God is burning away the impurities in us through sanctification. You see, you get saved and you don't miss out. No, you get saved and then you get sanctified. We're justified, declared righteous, and then we're being sanctified. We're being saved from the power of sin. God's doing a work in us so we can continue to change. And folks, I gotta be honest, some days it's hard. Sometimes it's really hard. But we have to remind ourselves when it's hard of the mercies of God. And that's what Paul's doing. He's reminding, hey, by the mercies of God, all those things I listed, present yourself a living sacrifice because of what God did. And listen, Christian, God is promising to be with us in our afflictions. Remember, he's with us at the picnics and parades of life. And the idea is, is when everything's going good, God is with us. But when everything doesn't go good, is that the only time you invite God into your circumstance? Is he on the RSVP list for your picnic? When things are going good, is God a part of your life? Or is it only when everything falls apart that you're like, God, I need you? No, we're to be followers of Jesus in the good and in the bad and everything in between. That is where we find the equipping. You would find that in the moments where things are going great, God's equipping you for the thing that's around the corner. Don't wait until the floor falls under, you know, from underneath you to call out to the Lord. You should be calling out to him every day of the week. Paul is appealing to us to be a living sacrifice. That requires that we are living sacrificially for the kingdom. We're gonna move on to verse two. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, if this isn't a biblical stop sign right here, why do we stop at stop signs? I don't wanna get a ticket. I don't stop at a stop sign, I might get a ticket. It might cost me a little bit of money on a citation. I also stop at stop signs. Well, they're there to prevent you from perhaps getting into an, um, a lane of tra- traffic that doesn't have a stop sign. It's preventative from you getting into an accident. It's for your safety. It's for your good. It's so that you can move safely through an area. Don't be conformed to the world. We gotta be aware of what the culture is saying. We should not be conforming to the things that the world is saying to do that are against the word of God. This is a biblical stop sign if I couldn't say. This is a stop sign. Don't be conformed to the world. Listen, if TikTok or Twitter says it's cool, you may wanna compare it to what scriptures say. And if you're sitting in this room... Yeah, and you don't know what TikTok or Twitter is, we'll just say news or any, kind of, any type of outlet that's suggesting that this is your lifestyle. But if they're saying it's cool, you may wanna compare it to what the scriptures say. Listen, folks, have you noticed the world really, really, really wants us to rebel against God? Have an affair. Get drunk. One hit won't hurt. Nobody's gonna find out. <laughs> 
How about the new one? Be what you want to be. You can identify as a blender if you want to be a blender. <laughs> but say the name of Jesus. Ooh, how dare you? How dare you say the name of Jesus? Wait a second. You can identify as a blender and I can't say the name of Jesus? Come on. That's not really smoothie. Man, I wrote it in my note here. It says, terrible joke. You guys must really love me. You know, the reason I insert by the Lord's leading a little bit of humor is because what I'm about to say is really tough. It's time to wake up and it's time to be the church today. People are conforming to the world and Christians are nowhere to be found. We are called to be the light. We must not be conformed to the world, but be transformed is what Paul is saying. Don't be conformed, be transformed. And when these thoughts come into our mind, we need to run them through the filter when TikTok or Twitter or the news or a newspaper suggests things that are against the word of God. We need to run them through this filter. Take a look here. Is this thought true? What's being suggested, is it true? And what does the Bible say about it? Now, maybe I'm the only one, like I told you, in preparation, this was super convicting for me. But have you ever had a conversation with yourself Somebody made you mad. Your spouse, your kids, a coworker, your boss, a neighbor, and they say something, and you just can't shake it. You're just thinking about it all day, and you're like, oh man, I just can't wait. Oh, I know what I'm gonna say. And you start figuring out how the conversation's gonna go. And then you're all worked up, and you get to that moment, and you see that person, you're like, hey, Remember that thing you said? And they're like, oh yeah, I, you know what? I, th- I thought about that thing I said and, and I thought about maybe you might have misunderstood me. And you realize at that moment that you did. And you wasted all that time <laughs> thinking about what you were gonna say to that person and that person really was innocent. Man, oh man, convicted. Pride is yucky. By the way, I do have a one and two year old, so yucky and potty are very much a part of my vocabulary. So give me grace. Sanctification is tough, but it is absolutely necessary. Those conversations that you have in your mind, take them captive. Allow the Lord to transform you and renew your mind. Paul is saying, do this because of the mercy of God. Don't be conformed to the world. That's what the world does. The world's like, oh, I can't wait to have that argument. They're thinking about what they're gonna say. What what should the Christian do? Is it true? What does the Bible have to say about it? Maybe that situation. By the way, if you get a text from somebody and they say thanks, don't sit there and go, what kind of thanks? Is that the thanks that, wait, do they have an attitude with that thanks or is it a gratitude kind of a thanks? Some of you are laughing because maybe you're like me and you're like, what do they mean by that? Well, maybe they just meant thank you. How about that? We gotta be transformed by the renewing of our minds. This is the heart of worship. 
As you and I present our bodies as a living sacrifice, we must allow this work to be done in us. Sanctification takes place and we utilize the scriptures to guide and assist in our transformation. Now, you've heard it at Calvary. It doesn't make sense to talk about transformation if I don't equip you. Well, here it is. Join a group. That's a way that you can be transformed. Why are you not in a group? Join a group. Keep coming to church. Here it is. Every weekend. Come every weekend. If you're on vacation, enjoy. If you're sick, feel better. But if you're not either of those categories, come to church. It's a way that we can be transformed. This one is a bonus, and this is free. Read your Bible every day. You can be transformed when you read your Bible every day. Why would you not read your Bible every day? You're missing out by not doing that, not me. I want you to grow in the Lord. Paul is, he's pleading with them, don't conform to the world, but be transformed. Well, here's what you do. You remind yourself of the mercies of God. You get into God's presence. You get saved and you live it out. Pray. Have a conversation with God all day. Hey, how about serve? Did I mention serve? <laughs> Go serve. These are measurable proofs of a life that's being transformed. A living sacrifice serves. Listen, you get saved and you live it out. Christians in this room who are saved, are you living it out? This requires a work of the Holy Spirit. We gotta move on, verse three. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of themselves more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Another area that I have to stop. Listen, we're about to talk about spiritual gifts. That's coming right around the corner. But before we do, Paul mentions being humble. I find it fascinating that humility is listed before what you're gifted at. Don't think so highly of yourself. Ouch. Pride is no good. I told a trusted friend on Monday, I had this situation and I didn't handle myself right. And I was prideful about it. Not pride like I'm the best, but pride more like not open to the idea that I could be wrong. And, and, and I go to this person and I'm like, man, What's, what, what's this thing I'm dealing with? And I'm grateful for a friend who loves me enough to say, hey, where's the root? And then I realized the root is a heart issue. I had a heart issue. I'm human. I had to deal with it. I'm a work in progress. Listen, Christian, make sure you have those people in your life that love you enough to challenge you, to call you out. It's key in finishing well. You don't have to do this life alone. Find somebody that you can be vulnerable with who can say, hey, how about you work on humility? Because counter to humility is pride. Don't be prideful. And maybe you're not prideful or maybe you haven't realized that there's an area of your heart that could be worked on. Give that to the Lord. Gifting does not equal maturity. Just because somebody has a gift doesn't mean they're mature. 
But when a gift is used in conjunction with maturity, watch out world. So I thought it would be very important just to remind you, Paul mentioned humility before he mentioned what you're good at. Be humble. Let's talk about what these gifts are. Verse four through eight. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So there it is. God chooses what gift or gifts he will give to his followers. Listen, do not elevate a man or a woman because of a gift that the Holy Spirit of God has given them. Trust me, we are in this life together and God is the only one who deserves all the glory. Don't put man on a pedestal. In addition, we all don't have the same gifts. We are united in Jesus, but not uniformed in our gifting. Could you imagine if all of us were just the right foot? We wouldn't get anywhere. We need to function with the, the, the feet, the hands, all together. You may be gifted in one area, or you might have two. And this person over here have, might have this gift. Operate in the gifting that the Spirit of God has given you. Now, I found it fitting to allow gotquestions.org to define prophecy for us. And so the Greek word translated prophesying or prophecy means to speak forth or declare the divine will, to interpret the purposes of God, or to make known in any way the truth of God, which is designed to influence people. Many people misunderstand the gift of prophecy to be the ability to predict the future. While knowing something about the future may sometimes have been an aspect of the gift of prophecy, it was primarily a gift of proclamation, which is forthtelling, not prediction. So just when it comes to prophecy, by the way, if I come up to you and say, hey, listen, God wanted me to let you know that on Tuesday of next week, if you hop on your right foot for five minutes, you will then wake up the next day and have a billion dollars in your bank account. You need to just run from me. Now, if, if you do it and you get some money, give me a call. But in all seriousness, listen, don't listen to date setters. Don't, don't do that whole prediction thing. Take, is this thought true? And what does the Bible have to say about it? And apply it when it comes to prophecy. Serving, it's simple. I don't need to explain it. I can just say, serve. That's what it means. Teaching, instruction. I'm giving you instruction now. Maybe you give instruction in your home. Maybe you give instruction in Calvary Kids or in your Calvary group. Use your gift. If you have the gift of teaching, use it. Find an area to serve and utilize your gift of teaching. Exhortation. I will give you a really good example of exhortation. Verse one, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. 
Paul is encouraging us to live it out. That is exhortation. Give. It's biblical. It's in the Bible right there. Give. Give of your time, of your talent, and your treasure. Now, speaking of giving, right now in the foyer, we have Global Vision Citadel Ministries. They're there because we love the orphanage in Haiti. Now, I wanna say this to you. By God's grace and goodness, we had a donor come in and take care of the party. There's no more money needed, so we have shut down the Christmas in Haiti fund. They're gonna have the best party ever. Yeah. There's no more bags to fill. We got all 300 out. Prayerfully, all 300 came back today. We're gonna be sending them to the Dominican Republic and I'll be there with a team to pick them up. By God's grace and goodness, it all lines up. But there is one thing left to do, and that's sponsor a child. Now hear me out. Yesterday, I talked to the team out there. We've been doing this all month, and I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm just being honest with you, because that's what pastors need to do. They need to be truthful. I was like, how many people signed up to sponsor a kid? They're like, two. I'm like, bummer. And so I brought it up to Saturday night last night. They told me this morning, they're like, hey, after service last night, 11 people signed up. I'm like, yeah, that's great. There's 135 kids. They're orphans, one way, shape, or form, or another. It costs $35 a month. Food, shelter, education, clothing, and most importantly, spiritual development. Now, each kid can have five shares. So they can have up to five sponsors per kid. It's 175 bucks. I wish my kids cost 175 bucks a month. Man, oh man, diapers alone. Ouch. 35 bucks a month. Anyone going to Texas Roadhouse after church today? You're gonna go get the, uh, the outlaw ribeye? You can substitute your side and upgrade for a premium side for just a couple bucks. Get yourself a sweet tea. You're looking at, you're looking at 25 bucks with a tip and some tax. You're at 30 bucks. One meal. Sacrifice one meal a month for an orphan. Seriously? We have to think about that? My prayer is that after service, many of you would line up, and then even if there's a long line, you wouldn't be like, ah, oh, I'm gonna leave. Wait. Sponsor a kid. Make a difference in the life of a child. And folks, let me just say this. Haiti is hurting they are hurting. We can be the hands and feet. We can be generous and give to Global Vision Citadel Ministries and then talk to our kids about it at Christmas. Hey, this year we sponsored a kid. Make the difference in the life of a child. And if you're feeling extra generous, you can pay the credit card transaction fee of $1.05, $36.05 a month. Pray about it. Now, give locally. Give to the General Fund of Calvary Port St. Lucie. It's biblical. Partner with us so that we can make a difference on the Treasure Coast and beyond. If you've been gifted with leading, lead well. If you've been gifted with mercy, be merciful. But let me just say this. Is it not true? Don't tell me that it is you. It is certainly a gift of the Lord. Have you ever tried being merciful in your own strength to somebody who made you mad? It's hard. That is proof that this is a gift of the Holy Spirit. We have to have the Lord's help, which is another reason why we do not put man on a pedestal. God is the only one worthy of all the glory. God is good, and he is on the throne. 
And so you see, we're united in Jesus, but we're unique in what we're gifted in. We don't all have the same gifting, but combined, another theme, we make up the body. And when the body works together, watch out, great things can happen. Wouldn't that be great to see great change in our community? It requires all of us working together. We're gonna read verse nine through 13. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. There it is again. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. There it is again. And seek to show hospitality. To summarize these verses, love genuinely. Be honest. Be real. Abhor what is evil. And if you're anything like me, you're like, abhor, what does that mean? Well, I went to the internet and I went to the Oxford Dictionary. Regard with disgust or hatred. That's what that word means. To regard with disgust or hatred. I don't know about you, but I can't stand sometimes my sinful nature. Pride, getting frustrated about something too quickly that's really not a big deal. I really want God to have his way with me. I really want the Lord to transform me, but it requires that I present myself a living sacrifice. Paul is saying, by the mercies of God, because of everything that Jesus did, because of all of his promises, be different. That's what I want. Hate what is evil. Love one another with brotherly affection. This one's my favorite. Sometimes, and looking around this room, maybe, maybe one or two of you, I've told you that I love you. It's funny. You tell a guy, you're like, hey, I love you, bro, and they're, they're, they start twitching a little bit. <laughs> I love you, bro. And it's, it's like, thanks. And they're like, it's this awkward backing up. It's like, no, thanks for nothing, man. I said, I love you. Brotherly affection. This isn't sexual love. This is brotherly love. We're gonna try it right now. I'm gonna say I love you and you say I love you too. You ready? I love you. <laughs> Who said thanks? <laughs> Nothing wrong with telling a brother or sister in the Lord you love them. Outdo one another in showing honor. Work hard for the King of Kings. My favorite verse, Colossians 3.23, I say it every message, followed by all for the Lord. Whatever you do, Work heartily as for the Lord, not for man. Listen, if you work at Dunkin' Donuts, you work hard as unto the Lord. If you are a custodian, you work hard as unto the Lord. If you're a chief executive officer, you work hard as unto the Lord. If you're a pastor, you work hard as unto the Lord. If you're a firefighter, you work hard as unto the Lord. We are working for the Lord. That's who we work for. We need to honor him. It's just not the pastor's job to, to work hard for the Lord. It's everybody's job to work hard for the Lord. That's what this verse means. Whatever your job may be, don't be lazy. Don't be slothful. Possess zeal. 
zeal, great energy, or enthusiasm in pursuit of what true worship is. And true worship is presenting yourself as a living sacrifice, honoring the Lord and serving him. Serve here at the church. Again, serving is listed. Serve at the church. Listen, serve at Graceway Village. Serve at CareNet. Serve at 4Kids. I know you guys know how to go to Google and ask, what is the menu for this restaurant? Or should I get this? What's a good gift for somebody in their 40s? Well, you could simply type in, what is the phone number for Graceway Village? You don't need to wait for Calvary Port St. Lucie's Reach Ministry to say, hey, we're doing a church-wide outreach for you to go serve. It's not twice a year. Serve. Pick a ministry here. Get on mission. Man, I have some exciting stuff to share in a minute here. What happens when we serve? Rejoice in hope. How about the message, Pastor Mike, the Lord gave him last week about heaven? Yeah. Man, oh man, what an incredible message. We have this hope for Jesus. Patient in our tribulation, that's a tough one. We have to be full of the Holy Spirit to accomplish this. When times get tough, listen, hear me clearly. When you're going through a hardship, it isn't a green light to be mean to others. I understand that hurt people hurt people, but we're believers We should look different than the world. If you're going through a hard time, pray. Remember the mercies of God that Paul listed. He said that he's with us in tribulation. If you're going through a hard time, you're not alone. Remember, God's invited to the picnic and parades, but he's also there when times are tough. The only way I can do this is by entrusting my life to the Lord and saying, God, I need you. We can't stop loving one another when we're going through a hardship. Hang in there, Christian. I want you to know that I understand suffering. And I'm not saying it's easy, I'm saying it's hard. But with God, all things are possible. Listen, look at the screen. The creator of the universe is bigger than our problems. Remember the mercies of God mentioned in the beginning. God promises to be with us in our hardship. We have to rely on him, not ourselves. In our own strength, we will fail. God is still today a miracle worker. Trust him. Trust in the Lord, no matter what your hardship is. All things work together, even when it doesn't add up. Pray, self-explanatory. Have a conversation with the Father. Talk to the Lord all throughout the day. Give is mentioned again. It's biblical. Give. Financially, trust the Lord. By the way, you earned it. Who gave you the ability to earn it? The Lord. Give to the Lord what's the Lord's. He gave it to you in the first place. Open up your home. Have people come over. Have a barbecue. If you're good at dominoes, just let me know. You may have to uh, pray after. That's pride. Listen, grab your phones. I want you to take a picture of the screen. I want you to use this as a mirror. Be genuine. Hate what is evil. Love one another. Work hard. Serve one another. Hope in Jesus. We're going to heaven for those of us that are saved. This is huge. Be patient. Pray fervently. Give generously. Invite others to your home, 
to church. Guys, you know, I wanna tell you, there was a time in my life that I wasn't genuine. I was fake. There was a time in my life where I loved the things that were evil. There was a time in my life where I only loved myself. There was a time in my life where I worked hard but only for my own gain. There was a time in my life where I didn't serve anyone but myself. There was a time in my life where I had lost all hope. There was a time in my life where I wasn't patient for anything. I did not pray, I did not give, I took. And there was a time in my life that I, I did this one right. I invited others, but you see, I invited the wrong type of others into my life. And you know what happened? Everything fell apart. My whole life fell apart. And you know what I did? I repented. I repented. Best decision. I got right with the Lord. And I came to him, and I was broken. And the Lord changed my life. He restored me. He renewed me. He renewed my mind because at that point, I wanted to be a living sacrifice. And God changed everything for me. I pushed myself. And let me be clear, as a pastor, just being vulnerable and honest, I failed forward. I still do. It is not a ticket to do the wrong thing. Failing forward, oh, I've got grace. I can do the wrong thing and I'm still good. I've got quote unquote fire insurance. Nope. We should not live that way. But when I mess up, there's grace and I can get right with the Lord. I didn't throw in the towel. I repented. And you know what happens when you do what the Bible says? When you apply what the word of God encourages us and exhorts us to do? Miracles. Look at this next slide. That's a miracle. For those of you who don't know, so in that picture is my ex-wife. I'm officiating her wedding in August. That's her husband, Mike. There's our daughter, Heather and I, we share Elizabeth. And there's Timmy, Heather's son. Wow. Look, Look what God did. Look what God did because I began to live as a sacrifice, saying to God, God, I want you to have your way with my life. And this miracle took place. The next picture is his whole family. And what's my favorite about this picture is Heather is holding Michelle and I, our daughter, Eliana. Michelle's holding our son, Luke. There's uh, Heather's sister, Mike's family. And Michelle and I went away in September. And we went away by ourselves. <laughs> Heather and Mike watched our kids. <laughs> Little side note, husbands, calling you out. Are you making your marriage a priority? Are you taking breaks alone with your bride? If you have kids, don't tell me you're not able. The park is free. And you can hold your wife's hand and tell her how much you love her. And you can go to the beach and you can look at the ocean. You don't have to go away. You can ask somebody to watch your kids, even if it's an hour. Make your marriage a priority because your marriage is important. 
kids come after. I want to say I haven't arrived. I'm still doing the best to present myself as a living sacrifice. And let me just be honest, not every story is the same, and that's okay. But I know what forgiveness looks like. And I know what God can do. Nothing is impossible for God. And by God's grace, Heather and I have forgiven one another, and I had multiple affairs on her. She forgave me. And then I got to officiate her wedding. Talk about what God did in my life. He's a miracle worker. Matter of fact, we're planning a future vacation for all of us to go away together. It's a miracle. I'm gonna touch on this um, in the next section. We're gonna finish our Bible reading right now. I have one more thing to say about this because some of your situations are irreconcilable and I understand and I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. And so we're gonna go to verse 14 and read all the way through and close out the chapter. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Ouch. Do not, become, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, there's so much rich application here, and I just wanna touch down on a few of them, and then we'll have some closing comments. So bless those who might persecute or curse you. Yeah, that's what the Bible says. Bless them. Pray for them. Again, remember that whole mercy thing? It's hard to be merciful towards people that are mean to you. This also requires the Holy Spirit to empower you. In my own strength, I will get into the flesh, and I will fail. You know what I'm talking about. Remember that person that cuts you off? Then they roll their window down and they stick their hand out the, the window and then they point with one finger? I don't necessarily think they were pointing for you to look up with that one finger. Pray for them. Remember I told you this was convicting? This is where I got convicted. Don't speed up. Here's the part that I'm really guilty Lord, forgive me. Don't roll the window down and wave. <laughs> you do realize that only intensifies the problem. You don't know who that person is or what they've been through or what they're on about to do. It really requires stopping and praying. Like, all right, Lord, this person just pointed me north. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Pray for them. Imagine you're going up St. Lucie West Boulevard at 4 p.m. on a Tuesday and all the snowbirds are back. You really gotta pray. It's worse than combat. Most drivers are mad, they're honking. Where am I supposed to go? I got a car in front of me, I got a car to the right of me. I can't go anywhere. Pray for them. Don't wave and smile. Don't accelerate because you're mad. Care for one another. Consider other people's feelings. 
Paul mentions humility again here in this section. It started before the gifts. He's saying it again. Be humble. Humility is key in the life of a follower of Jesus. Don't be prideful. Love your enemies. Go read the Sermon on the Mount. Read the Beatitudes and apply it. Looking for a great, a great perspective on how to live biblically? Read the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached. Jesus giving us instruction. Now, I mentioned earlier, I wanted to just touch on one other thing, and that's verse 18. I think you picked up when I read slowly. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Listen, Heather and Mike and Michelle and I, we all agreed. I approached them and I said, hey, as weird as this might be, I am willing to officiate your wedding. If you say no, I won't be mad. I'll understand. It's a little awkward. Or is it? And they chose to say yes. Hey, Michelle and I are really looking to get away. Would you consider watching our kids? They could have said no. It was their choice. And I'm grateful that they chose. I mean, I think my sister and brother-in-law are too because if it's not them, my brother and sister-in-law will watch them as well. Thank you guys as well. But sometimes only one party is willing to reconcile. It was my responsibility, if possible, to do my best and I did that and it was reciprocated. But it's not always the case. I'm responsible as a follower of Jesus, if possible, to do my best to make right any relationships that I've made wrong. I'm accountable for that. But remember, love your enemies doesn't mean invite them over for dinner. Don't get it confused. Pastor Matt, there's somebody who really hurt me and you want me to invite? No, I don't want you to invite them over for dinner. And if you didn't, I would understand. That's not what this is saying. We are required to forgive. We're not required to invite them over to our house for dinner. Our situation was a choice and we chose to forgive one another and do life together because it is possible. We could be mad at each other for the rest of our lives for what? Or we could forgive one another and move on and that's what we did. Verse 19, God has your back. Let him handle the wrath department. He created the heavens and the earth. He's bigger than your problem and he can handle it too. Trust him. Verse 20 and 21, do good, be kind to those people that are hard to be kind and good towards. You really don't know what other people are going through until you take the time to figure out their story. We are required to look different. And the opening introduction, so short, in the closing statement, is singing to the Lord the only way we worship? No. It is certainly one way that we do, and by the way, what an incredible worship team we have. Yeah, thank God for that. But it is so much more, and I, I, I sense God's presence, and I'm worshiping him, especially when Pastor Reagan sings gratitude. I just love it. I throw up my hands and praise him again and again, and I just experience God's presence. But it's so much more than that worship set. It's living it. It's living it out for the Lord. It's presenting myself as a living sacrifice, committed to the Lord in everything that I say and everything that I do. But it requires time with God. We have to be in his presence. The gifts come, sanctification happens. Don't try and dodge sanctification. You're gonna miss out. 
and things begin to change and then God gets a hold of your life and then you'll find yourself officiating your ex-wife's wedding. It's like, what? Okay, God, you're in control. It is possible for God to do the impossible because nothing is impossible for our God. Give it to the Lord no matter what it is. Not every outcome is the same. I'm responsible for my part. I'm not responsible for the other person's part. I'm accountable for who I am. So, are you living your life as a living sacrifice? Are you living your life for the Lord? Or perhaps I'm the only one that the Lord was like, pa, 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 I love you. These are some areas of your heart you have to work on. If you'd close your eyes, anyone in this room right now who the Lord's tugging on your heart and you haven't been living for him and you wanna get that right, as far as you're saved, you got a relationship with Jesus, but you're convicted about this message, would you just slip up your hand? Cool. You can put your hands down. Everybody else can open their eyes. Listen, it's a choice. Live it out. Spend time with the Lord. And your hand being thrown up and me seeing it, I know really that's between you and the Lord. You have the opportunity to remind yourself of the mercies of God and present yourself as a living sacrifice and watch God show up in your life. From your heart to your feet, live it out.